Abun de Boschmaya Nitkadashma Te te malkuta Nehwe sebiana Aikana de Boschmaya Af baraha Hablan lachma de sunkanan yaumana Washbuklan haubain Waktahain Ai Kanadaf Khan Shpokan Habain Ula Dahlan Nesiuna Ela Patsan Min Bisha Amen Our One Absolute Eternal Being of which we are born forth from the realm of the all and the only. I am empty within the awe of your presence and the purity of your name. Empower my creative beingness through your expansion from the ever-present realm as I realize our strength and virtue as one. On the manifest earth as in the unmanifest realm, Provide the nourishment of your insight and realization through me and in every present moment. Release my hidden past as I cancel my past concerns with others. Do not let me lose my true self in forgetfulness, but wholly release me from the errors of my perception. For thy realm is the absolute, the all, and the only and our strength of virtue and magnificence. From cosmic gathering to cosmic gathering, from age to age, may these be the rooted earth from which all of my actions flow. Amen. Holy Spirit within me, living in wholeness, moving in joy and love, I surrender to your will. Bring the radiance of your light into my heart and mind. Merge with me to manifest your will upon the earth. Make me a conduit of your infinite knowledge. Amen. Hello and welcome back to the God-Led Mystics Podcast. I am your guide and host, Reverend Rose, here with a wonderful interview with my friend and sister Jocelyn of the Blue Rose Temple. In today's episode, we journey through the resurrection myths and mysteries of Osiris and Isis. We talk about sacred union and how sacred union really is reflected in a spiritual way, as well as how to embody and activate the comedic teachings that have been available for us beyond all time and space. This is definitely one of my favorite conversations that I've gotten to have um, because the Kemetic Pantheon is, of course, um, just my eternal love and uh, soul, really, as a devotee of Sekhmet and keeper of the Ra Sekhem Mysteries. So we talk about really, you know, just debunking the myths 
of the Nichiru and how to really apply these alchemical teachings in a very grounded way. If you enjoy this podcast and if you enjoy learning about all of the divine reflections that we see with God uh, in its various prismatic ways, I invite you to follow along and journey with us. New episodes are released every Friday. If you're finding this on Substack, uh, subscribe there. Otherwise, you're more than welcome to follow on podcast or Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Without further ado, here is my interview with Jocelyn. Hello, Jocelyn. It's so nice to have you here. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me here in your temple space. It's such a pleasure. Um, I would love if you could introduce yourself and um, if you could tell me what God means to you. <laughs> what God means to me, I love it. Oh, hello, I am Jocelyn. I am a priestess of the robes. I am an initiator of the Isis temple. And what God means to me, which by the way, I'm just going to also say that I don't like labels in general, um, but that would, is what I would best say describes the way it is that I'm experiencing my journey right now and my mission Mm -hmm. um, and I'm so open to my own evolution but Mm -hmm. what God means to me to me God is God is the presence of all things Mm -hmm. and so when I hear the word God I think of ultimate presence Mm -hmm. you know uh, we have our human experience and I believe that we, and I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but it's almost like God fractalized, you know, Mm -hmm. um, whatever you want to call it, that big bang theory. But uh, at some point there's some sort of great mystery that connects everything and everyone. There is some source where all of this somehow separates into, you know, or comes rather together in unity. And uh, so to me, God is an infinite presence um, that is very formless. It's very nameless. Uh, and if anything is the mystery to me, God is a mystery and the mystery. Mm, beautifully said. <laughs> I don't think there's any wrong way to say it either. Yeah. I think it's all, it, it all just flows through our human experience. Yeah. You know, and huh? experience in so many different ways, like yeah. light and, and dark or, perceived good or bad you know yeah I totally agree I think you know that's really that's really the point of hosting this space is to bring everyone into their own realization of God because there's just been this like collective spell that's been put on the planet that like God is from the bible and what (laughs) what a shame I mean, no, like, I, I don't mean that disrespectfully either, but I know so many people that, you know, haven't been able to find their relationship to God because they've been told that God is only one way. And I I just believe that is such a, a pity um, to who God really is, because, you know, our our relationship and our experience of God doesn't know books. <laughs> it doesn't know 
um, it can be informed by books. It can be informed by spiritual teachers, but ultimately it trans transcends far beyond that. So um, it's just fascinating. I don't, I don't know where like in the collective we went where, when we decided that we were going to tell people how God was and if they weren't re- relating to God that way, then they were bad. It makes no sense to exactly. me. <laughs> Which to me, this is like another, I don't know, a program or attempt at causing some sort of separation, like to argue of, of what God is yeah. or looks like or how it, uh, God is like you connect with God or practice. Right. But there's only one way to get to God, you know, and it causes right. all of different separation. And if anything, really prevents us from being able to experience the fullness of God, the full spectrum of God and this experience that we have. Right, right, exactly. And I I think this is such a good like introduction to the topic that we are um, going to be talking about today because, uh, you know, I follow the 42 laws of Maat or, you know, the Declaration of Innocence. And my ultimate favorite 42 law is, you know, I will not desecrate holy spaces or I regard all altars with respect. And I think that to be one of the most brilliant pieces of uh, declarations and invocations for the ancient uh, Kemetics or Egyptians as we know them in our language uh, because they recognize that no matter what deity you worked with, you were still working with God. Um, and I feel like we've really forgotten that when we created this, you know, paradigm that we currently live under. And I think a lot of it, of course, has to do with the um, old covenant, the Old Testament, which, you know, said no altars before me or no. Uh, idols before me you know you don't look at uh, the golden calf and um, you can't worship any uh, any deity in a statue Um, I think that programming runs very deep especially for generations and generations of the uh, Abrahamic covenant which is also so fascinating because then you know in Egypt now there's a big Muslim population Mm -hmm. um which is just really fascinating for me on a collective scale, um, of course, because they are part of the Abrahamic covenant. Yeah. Yes. You know, and I, I've experienced, um, I have a little bit of firsthand experience with that, that I come from a family that's very Christian, uh, non-denominational, but full of pastors. Mm-hmm. And um, I do remember when I started my journey um, and I, uh, as far as Egypt and Kemet, ancient Kemet, that was an awakening from inside of me. Like I really had no clue about Egypt and it just all these downloads and dreams and this affinity for uh, ancient Kemet, for ancient Egypt. And I do remember being judged for my statues and um, what they didn't realize was I was not praising an actual statue. It, it was this reflection of God, which is what right. I really appreciate of ancient Kemet is Yes, there are thousands and actually thousands of gods and they were able to appreciate this aspect or this face, this fractal of God in this, um, I guess you could say maybe embodiment, you know, Mm -hmm. or like they would name this uh, quality of or experience of God and and give it a name of a God or a goddess, 
you mm -hmm. know, of like, uh, so shoe comes to mind. So shoe, you, the mm -hmm. matter that's around us and the breath, um, you know, and so it's very misunderstood, but in ancient Kemet, really, it was not a pathway to praise all of these multiple gods and goddesses, but finding God in all parts of our life, you know, God, life is God and God is life, right. which, you know, why the Ankh is so important and prevalent, you know, um, just when it comes to the culture and tradition and remembrance too, you know, it, it is not death, but it is life. It is that is how we are all, you know, connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the Pantheon was really, you know, set up to model nature, the nature, right? So um, it's, it's fascinating because people really aren't looking at the esoteric relationships that are experienced in this ancient pantheon um, because of course it, it's it's a lot deeper than just like what's in front of you uh, and so I find that to be really fascinating at this like um, anti like mystical or magical reality that we're living in which even is not the most appropriate timeline for the Abrahamic religion Right, because uh, the original blueprint for uh, Judaism and Christianity and um, what we might consider um, Muslim was about mysticism. And it moved from mysticism to more or less a state of control. So the original blueprint, you know, for this Abrahamic covenant was really actually designed to teach us about the mysteries of the world which we had in the um you know ancients right so it's just so fascinating to me because it really feels like we're butting up against a huge collective spell yeah. um, and I say that intentionally because I I see a lot of people who recite scripture but don't drop drop any deeper into it you know, well, what does this actually mean to me? Well, this is what it means, you know, from who told me about it. Does that make sense? I hope yeah, it does. I know. Yes, exactly. And, you know, with the left-hand path, mm -hmm. like it's uh, finding God within all of those things mm -hmm. and shadows and in the experience mm -hmm. rather than looking without of us, you know, which is something that I think that ancient Kemet, they really had that. I guess you could maybe use the word down path, but you know, but the actual experience of God through these things rather than the denial or suppression of them, mm -hmm. leaning into the shadow or leaning into what we deny mm -hmm. or don't usually go deeper into in finding God in those things. Yeah. And I also just want to say point blank too that I don't believe in most history. Like <laughs> I feel yeah. like we we hear about ancient Egypt and we're told you know, horrible things about ancient Egypt. Um, you know, I'm thinking a lot about, uh, you know, how they used slaves to build um, these sacred sites. And from my, you know, recollection and work with this pantheon, I actually don't believe that to be true. I actually believe that that to be one of the most desecrating and horrible lies spread mm -hmm. against ancient Egypt, because they recognized that every single person that was fulfilling their destiny was sacred. So therefore, they couldn't have people that were enslaved to their will to build these sacred sites and these sacred temples. I think that would have totally disrupted 
and um, deconstructed the actual um, actual presence of the energy vortex they were building in those places. I don't know why that felt so necessary to say, but I think it's really because uh, you know we we have um, lies that have been per- perpetrated against uh, our ancestors, and of course, I do believe that at one point there was a massive um, patriarchal schism that happened. Uh, and, you know, there was like a, a timeline shift in ancient Egypt, but I don't think that that is as, um, as old as, as, as we believe it to be. I actually think that happened right before, like what we might consider the fall, if, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, it scares me almost to say this stuff out loud and to claim it to be true. Because of course, like, like growing up about, um, it started at a portion of school with like, uh, you know, I'm in the USA, so American history. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's all very, so distorted. You know, we even Mm -hmm. talk about storytelling, you know, if you play a game of telephone, the story just gets distorted even after two or three years. Yeah. You know, and so we're, you know, eons and lifetimes and uh, thousands and thousands of years pass by. A lot of the history that we know is distorted, you know, and I do think that um, not that there's like a war on Egypt or anything. And I think we see this reflected in so many different cultures and times, but mm-hmm. there's so um, much that's being demonized and distorted right now of like actual, you know, truth when it comes mm-hmm. to these ancient teachings and religions mm-hmm. and cultures Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look at the word ISIS. They took a terrorist group and named it ISIS. And it now when people hear the word ISIS, they don't think of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, such a big thing, too. You know, yeah. um, they don't people don't even think of Egypt. If you say that, the first thing they think of is something else that's mm-hmm. um, very dark. And um, I, I think that's also a war in itself, you know, like on... Yeah. Uh, the true teachings of Egypt too, um, because they're going to take such a holy name and then demonize it. And then the history, you know, and calling them slaves and all these different things. Um, and then we see this in so many other lands and times. Yeah. Yep. I agree. It's like the swastika. <laughs> yeah. It's, I saw something on Twitter the other day that was like, oh my God, I can't believe that India has that symbol there. And it's like, oh, hold on here. <laughs> you don't you don't even know what that actually means and the fact that it was inverted by someone like and there's no curiosity either it's like oh nope turning away bye even when like the like the symbol of the swastika is actually just the dipper it's the way that the dipper moves around our pole um, which is really fascinating. But again, people don't do their um, their research, I guess. I mean, maybe that's the most plain way to say it. But uh, there is a lot of inversion and taking over of the names um, of the symbols um, of the, you know, the, I don't want to say the deities, you can't really hijack the deities, but you can definitely divert their name into different mm-hmm different avenues and different channels but um it's just so scary to say this out loud because uh you know in birth work you know I face a lot of course because I I'm passionate about birth outside the system um and birth outside of the you know the medical paradigm that I get questioned a lot with with this you know this question of well 
um, what about modern midwifery and medical midwifery? It, they saved thousands of babies from dying every year. And I don't actually believe that. Um, I don't actually believe that women and babies were dying in droves before the, uh, the, uh, the birth of medical midwifery. Uh, because, of course, you see in uh, ancient Kemet, right, Hathor priestesses were keepers of these portal ways, mm -hmm. and they were stewarded through a spiritual paradigm. And I totally believe that, um, and from my observation of birth in an unhindered way, is that birth is biologically designed to be fairly safe, except mm -hmm. when, uh, you know, meddled with. Um, and so when I say that to people, they sometimes I think people think I'm crazy, which is totally fine. But that's also, you know, butting up against some of my own people pleaser habits of like, well, I have to be palatable for people. And the truth is, is that I actually don't. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it can be terrifying to say I don't believe almost anything that someone tells me from a historical lens I don't believe um, what they tell me about medicine I don't believe what they tell me about history I don't believe what they tell me about uh, you know the ancient civilizations because I can actually feel it in my bones and my DNA when I go into my body and request knowledge from uh, the divine field of all knowingness. Mm -hmm. So, and I love what you just said too, right there is when you can request the wisdom into your field, because we're, mm -hmm. when we talk about truth, you know, in history and, and ancient teachings, you know, yes, history has been distorted perhaps over the years, but more and more people are awakening and remembering and these blueprints are being activated from within them, you know, of these true ancient teachings and the wisdom, you know, that we have the sovereign power and that free will to ask for this wisdom or, or to remembering our connection to source, which mm -hmm. when you're connecting to source, there is nothing that's distorted. Right. You know, and so... I just love what you say right there too, because, um, you know, more and more are we awakening to that innate connection to source, you know, that we are directly connected to source and we can ask for the wisdom and the guidance and the teachings, you know, and um, yes, we have reflections without of us. We have books, we have mentors, we have all these different tools, which is amazing, you know, mm -hmm. but ultimately uh, we truly are connected directly to source, you know, and can intentionally, you know, use tools as well yeah it's um, like that meme <laughs> so what's the source of your information i downloaded it directly from god yes <laughs> <laughs> and people don't like that they want like no. the um the, they want what is it the credits and um yeah you know in high, in high school and college when you would give like a a bibliography <laughs> yep yep exactly they want the whole bibliography okay where did you get this who, what mentor guru told you this? Where, where did you read it? <laughs> yeah, people are so data oriented that they forget that like, uh, you know, God is quantum data and you can receive your direct truth from God and also have a direct truth 
from you know another person can receive direct truth from god which might not completely align but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily wrong or that either of you are you know the ultimate truth but that you know um there are 144 sides or more of truth it's just like you know you and i having this conversation i might hear something different than you do and you're going to hear something different than me and that's actually a total blessing because then we're able to foster the different frequencies of truth that really um inform our lives and our path and our journey of sacred mysticism yes ah so beautiful okay i would love for you to tell me who you're of the daughter of (laughs) i the daughter of (laughs) i'm a child of god but (laughs) of course um so i would consider myself a daughter of kalima actually Mm. Um, which very much is segment mm-hmm. you know um, and they're very much two in the same the energy who came to me first was Kalima and it was actually through an Egyptian high priestess she's like you know segment and Kalima are very much of the same energy right <laughs> um, and so I am daughter of Kalima or daughter of segment and um, she very much is so involved uh, just with my work and with my mission and as a protector, really a protector um, and a loving mother that brings me the truth of what it is that I need. You know, and that she loves me so much that it's not what I want to hear or see, but what I need. Um, and so her love is very ferocious, uh, very protective. Um, and I think that, you know, both... Uh, segment you know or kalima i mean they're destroyers you know so uh i would say sometimes people's first reactions or interactions with them is as like the destroyer um so they seem very fierce you know and and very Mm -hmm. intense um but it's uh the intense and ferocious love that a mother has for their child Mm -hmm. that i think is present even for us as well that you know they their appearance again it's very intense it's very uh fierce but uh it, it's very much to find love you know and something it is that we all embody mm-hmm. yeah amen <laughs> beautiful segment as a mother is is I, I think i think i've seen a post that you said that mm-hmm yeah, yeah. Uh, Sekhmet really holds the frequency of the mother energy to me simply because of how you know a mother does defend and protect Um, she is designed to be you know the protectress Um, it's a mother's love I mean don't get me wrong dads have protective frequencies as well but mothers who carry their child within their wombs Um, are ultimately much more intrinsically related to the safety and well-being of their children. Um, Dads hold a little bit of a different frequency in that sense, because I think think dads actually protect both mother and child. Um, So their relationship is a little bit differently. Mothers, I feel, can go into a blind rage um, that fathers don't 
really experience in the way that I would describe it from a mother's perspective. And that's how, you know, Sekhmet really comes to me and experiences, you know, her frequency because her love is just so never ending that Mm -hmm. she doesn't give a shit what she's going to tell you because you're her daughter and, you know, you need to know the truth. Um, And at the same time, Sekhmet's also never been particularly... Um, I don't want to say hostile or like aggressive, but I'm also extremely aggressive. So, (laughs) you know, I don't know how much more aggressive you can get than like the women that I grew up with. So to me, I guess it it might, it might not register as super aggressive, (laughs) but, um, she's always just been steady. If that makes sense for me as, as a mother, um, when I first, you know, met her, I received her name and I was like, who are you? And then I walked into, um, and I walked into a store and I felt eyes on the back of my head and I looked around and it was her just staring at me. That, that's just how it's been this whole time. It's like, she just stares and waits. Her eyes are so active. Um, I actually did a, I haven't, we've been so busy this is going to sound like a horrible thing to say, but um, we've been so busy moving around on this property that I've neglected like my prayerful duties. Uh, and so the other day I went to prayer with her and I was like, I'm so sorry. And she just licked her paws. <laughs> She's like, it's totally fine. I'm here, like just holding space for you, you know? So um does that answer the question that you asked I feel like I just kind of went on a tirade but I love her she's uh, but of course of course I love her she's my mother for everything um she and of course she's like my Reiki keeper and uh you know she just she is everything for me because you know people often think or at least from the outside perspective I think people often think that Reiki is this like really sweet wonderful um gentle uh non-invasive I've seen Reiki called non-invasive energy healing I'm like what the fuck does that mean (laughs) because when I get in there I'm like removing entities and destroying contracts (laughs) and I'm like busting illusions and I'm like okay what the fuck is going on here I'm like sweeping shit out you know my reiki is nothing like non-invasive it's actually super invasive if you have any parasites (laughs) i've gotten reiki by you so i do agree (laughs) i also think it's quite loving and wonderful at the same time it's like for me it's intense i start sweating i'm like getting irritated i'm like moving shit out of people's fields i'm like what are you doing in there and then they're like ah feels i feel like i'm on the beach right now (laughs) <laughs> but and of course like that that beautiful medicine right the potent medicine and, and you know Sekhmet oversees that for me she's yeah. she's really like my directress if you will on exactly what's necessary there's a wonderful photo of her um I forget if it's Anubis that's behind her and pointing to where she needs to be going and she's you know she's being Sekhmet of the knives at that point and her Mm -hmm. mouth is bloody and her knife is bloody and she's like I'm ready that's kind of how I feel when I'm working with Sekhmet is like someone's pointing and she's just waving the sword (laughs) 
Yeah, like you just start the Reiki session, the cage opens, lion unleashed, mm -hmm. and then once it's done, the lion comes back. And not so in a cage, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, just like the the doors are opened, if if you yeah. will. It's so fascinating because um, I've worked with her in certain scenarios where, um, like we we were having trouble one time with. Um, someone on the property when we lived in, in a larger community and I just asked her to really like heal um, the relationship that was happening on this property and to really just like purge me of any uh, toxic emotions I might have been having towards this person and then a week later this person's like I'm leaving bye and that was it it was so fascinating and I've seen yeah. her do that many times um, yeah. when when there's like relational issues that can't be worked out is like one or the other usually move or something happens and they just never talk again. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting you mentioned that because I was actually thinking about that this morning and yesterday that it's uh, Kelly Ma who steps in like that for me where it's like just constantly consistently overseeing, you know, and will come and transform relationships, you know, or again, they're both destructive. So destructive energy is like creation that things are ending, mm -hmm. but so that these new beginnings can come in because it was not, or that person wasn't serving your highest good, you know, or things right. like that. Right. Yeah. It's so fascinating. And, and, um, you know, just, it's just so fascinating to work with these archetypes of what we might consider chaos because, you know, our world really leans away from chaos. Like our world doesn't want chaos. And I get that in one way, but in another way, like the only way we're going to shift and transform and grow and evolve is through, uh, through what we might consider to be chaos. Um, and I think that, you know, that's an important marker in the collective consciousness, because, you know, if things get crazy and you abandon ship and you leave and you run away, then you're actually never really doing the the growth and healing work that's required of you to um, really learn what is uh, within you, because it, it's through, you know, facing obstacles and um, facing uh I, 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 obstacle is like the only word that wants to be used in this scenario so we'll say that you know it's like through facing an obstacle that you begin to build your own self-confidence and self-trust that you're actually capable of doing what it is that your soul wants you to do my partner is so wonderful in this way because um, when I first met him and when we first got together um, he was uh he had just divorced his wife and um, there was some like really crazy stuff that was happening with her. Like she was trying to like infiltrate our lives and she was trying to get people to tell her about, you know, what we were doing and it was insane. And I kept asking him like, well, what if this happens? And he used to say he was so sweet. I mean, he still is sweet, but he was so sweet when he would say this to me, he'd look at me and he'd say, if that happens, we face it head on. And like, that was all I needed to be like, yeah. you know, to have the worries pushed away because I'm like, I don't know if I can handle that. And he would always just take me by the hand and be like, we are capable of facing anything as it arises. So let's not create it in our minds. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's so funny too that as soon as you're talking about that Osiris is here <laughs> yay because, uh, because someone I, there's someone that I actually have by the name of Osiris in my phone just because they have so much Osiris energy and I haven't heard from them in a while and they just texted me hey what are you doing <laughs> hmm. mm-hmm. very much the sacred mat like the sacred or divine masculine which is the energy within all of us like as a feminine I need to make sure that I feel safe and protected you know and and that I can provide for myself and know that I'm provided for um but the sacred and divine masculine at least when it comes you know the outwards um sacred partnership or divine union and that's Mm -hmm. not just as lover but people like you know um divine masculine creates the space of safety doesn't matter what's without everything is um it's that uh protective masculine energy what comes to mind also is like the emperor the emperor is very mm-hmm. in his mastery and he only acts when he actually needs to so he only mm-hmm. protects when you know uh say trouble arrives or he sees from the castle like in the tarot of the emperor when he can see peeking over the castle there's something coming their way that's when he gets into the protection you know or mm-hmm. a lot of that primal energy um yeah I think that's very beautiful and um, you know and just what coming to mind is also like just sacred union in general you know mm-hmm. um, two people standing in sacred union um, is just the amount of codes it is that it sends to the ley lines and and the light that is anchored <laughs> you know to everyone who experiences them mm-hmm. um, I think it's just so beautiful you know, um, mm-hmm. but that must have been a beautiful experience too, to feel so protected in that moment where you know that you're protected and safe. Um, but to have also that other barrier or shield to feel so supported, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, it, you know, I, um, I've never really experienced being loved and of course of course that's this is the truth because this is the man that I am choosing to spend my life with right like we want to have lots more babies and you know he's kind of stuck with me and I'm just kidding but um (laughs) the point is is that uh you know he holds me in my chaos which is almost really embarrassing to say out loud because (laughs) I have I come from the long line of what I consider Medusa women Mm-hmm. Um, and these are women who have been hexed uh, and cursed by the masculine. So they they have been in their 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 strength and their masculine and emasculating the men around them. Um, and I say that with the most love uh, for all of these women because I just recognize you know what they really experienced. Um, and so I get into those points where I'm like purging that Medusa lineage from me and uh you know one day I was having like a really horrible day and just kind of like letting it out to my partner and he looked at me and he said I love you unconditionally and I will hold you in your chaos if that's what you need and it was just like everything inside of me melted in that moment because I was like oh my god this man actually loves me he's not running away from me I can't push him out of here by being a chaotic bitch and (laughs) I'm just gonna have to dissolve in this you know and so it's it's beautiful and I feel like um 
that's kind of the love right between Isis and Osiris is like you know Isis is so devoted to her man that she will take the time to put him back together even if it takes her years um, she will she will put in the dedication and the discipline to her beloved, even if it takes her longer than she would like it to. And also yeah. she has the support of the pantheon behind her, you know, rallying together. That's one of my favorite like parts of her story in this is like the way that Sobek and Anubis and, you know, these other beings all gather around her and say, you know what, Isis, we're going to help you. We're yeah. So I don't care if you said it's my brother, I'm on your team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh it's... yes. Go ahead. Oh no, that uh, I, I love the story between Isis and Osiris. Uh and the love and the devotion of Isis to Osiris is so timeless. You know, and um, within every woman, there is an Isis and, and there is that lover um, and the mother and the protectress, you know, and, and the magic uh, that's found within us all. But, you know, and I know that it was uh, 14 as well, you know, um, and not only is she taking the time to like put him back together, um, canceling separation in the midst of all of that. You know, and to me, Isis and Osiris too is is not only such a love story, um, and an an embodiment of the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine, um, but Osiris and Osiris and Isis very much is an inner story for me as well. You know, mm -hmm. of the love and the devotion that my inner feminine has for my inner masculine. You know, which for us, mm -hmm. you know, uh, with the masculine energy. There's so many different ways to describe it, but say it, it is the life that you materialize, the life that you create, or the Holy Trinity with Isis, Osiris, and Heru. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Star, Asset, and Heru. There is two become one. So there's some sort of outcome. There's some thing mm -hmm. that we're creating with these two energies. Um, and the note, the devotion of that, you know, um, mm -hmm. where she would even put him together and, and use her magic to revive him. Mm -hmm. you know um and as soon as i say that i get a notification of 999 so maybe 999 means something i know it's closing cycles too <laughs> um but just her love and her dedication and her devotion to reviving him knowing that reviving him is, is reviving the land you mm -hmm. know as the masculine energy merges with the feminine we are we are bringing back to life ancient timelines mm -hmm. you know and uh we are, are bridging heaven and earth truly you know, and the story of Isis and Osiris for me is mirror reflected in so many ways and very much like inside of me. Um, but it's also that that devotion to say my lower and higher self or my masculine mm -hmm. and my feminine energy to creating this life, which I do have a child, so I can see it as my child as well, or like say that ancestral legacy, but um, the mm -hmm. life it is that I create with those energies is the third energy. Right. In, um, you know, in sacred sexual uh, tantra, well, in, in Egyptian tantra, really, you know, mm -hmm. Osiris is seen as the supreme soul and mm -hmm. Isis is seen as the life. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I really identify with what you're saying, because 
um, it's almost as if, you know, the life, they, they have a symbiotic relationship where like the life of one's self gives rise to the supreme soul in its you know its self um, self-awareness but it's also the supreme soul that gives the life its um its direction it, mm-hmm. it where it's going how it wants to you know uh, move in the world and so i i really identify with what you're saying because there's so many ways that we can work with these archetypes and these layers of divinity um, that we can begin to recognize like how they are living in our body, in our um, reality, in the work that we're doing, in the service that we're committing to our soul. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. 100%. I share that viewpoint mm. as well. Mm. You know, and uh, the Supreme Soul with Osiris. Um, so I... Osiris first came in very strongly, almost about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always been on this journey. Osiris has just always been like my inner beloved. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until about a year ago that he really made himself known. Like, hey, I'm here and we're going to do this. And I'm actually going nowhere. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. You may not see me right now, but I'm here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and um, I was initiated into... Um, what I like to call the Osirian temples or the temples of Osiris, which is very much present day Luxor and Abydos. And mm-hmm. it was uh, through him and these initiations in the past year that I've been much more connected with uh, the Supreme Soul or the way it is that he showed me as well is in the infinite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, connected with our infinite selves, you know, and we we can cause so much separation for ourselves of suffering or worrying or this or that. And um, one thing it is that Osiris has reminded me and taught me, you know, which we often see Osiris as the guy in the Egyptian pantheon that died and had his body all cut up and Isis put him back together. But he's not only, you know, a, a god of the underworld or lord of the underworld and death, but so much of a life giver. Yeah. And just like Isis, he is so multifaceted, mm-hmm. you know. And has himself so many names. And he also loves so unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And um, he's just always there, not only for our death processes, you know, but for that transition from death to life of like, okay, well, this program, this consciousness, this contract, whatever it is, has ended within or without of us. Now, how do we bridge that into higher life? You know, how do we rise like Osiris? How do we rise from this death? Um, into this new life right uh, which is very much present when we have you know when we're connected with that infinite consciousness mm-hmm. um, to know that we're just no separate you know and a yeah. lot of the Isis and Osiris story is of separation you know the masculine the feminine which on a grander scheme is our separation from God mm-hmm. yeah you know and we are no separate from God and so Osiris really teaches that you know, with the Supreme Soul and in his temples of the infinite and the Supreme Soul and the flower of life, you know, um, life is eternal, mm-hmm. you know, and I really now I see him much more as such a teacher of eternal life than only of death. You know, you cannot have death sure. without life or life without death. Um, and that's something I love about ancient Kemet and their teachings, you know, is there was no separation between either you know with one you have the other right 
And I think that that's where, like, the term Lord of the Underworld kind of irks me. Because if, as his relationship to the Supreme Soul, I actually see him as basically like God of Heaven. The God of the Eternal. The Eternal One, you know? And that's kind of like the point of his resurrection, is that he becomes... He becomes transcendent, right? Because, of course, you know, his penis never comes back, which is an important part of the story in terms of sacred Egyptian Tantra, um, because the phallus is considered the life force and the union of, you know, heaven and earth. So what that tells us is that without his penis, he is now um, beyond the material body. He is now the eternal soul and he has no need to be on this planet anymore uh, because, you know, he's overcome the limitations or the perceived limitations of being in the body. And something also that I, I really was thinking a lot about as we are talking about it is the idea of being chopped up. And I want to explain just a little bit what I mean by that. Something that I experience a lot in my work, um, because I do, of course, like shamanic Reiki, is soul fragmentation. And, you know, by that, I mean, you know, when certain traumas happen, um, and again, I don't know why I feel really called to talk about birth trauma or birth in general, but, you know, when women experience traumatic birth situations, their souls fragment sometimes because they're, you know, in such a sacred portal. Um, but of course, this can happen through domestic violence, through childhood violence. You put it, you put it there. The soul will fragment, and so mm -hmm. it reminds me a lot of about how you know the soul actually has the eternal ability to be um, reconfigured back together and still um, transcend. Like even if it's fragmented temporarily, it's still. Can can totally come back together and evolve back into um, its own god fractal its own its own source of consciousness um, and I I feel like again that's another part of Osiris that we really um, dare I say sleep on if you will <laughs> yes you know uh, it's soul fragmentation and soul retrieval is something that you know even in my uh, Reiki and practice and the Akashic records, especially something mm -hmm. that I've worked on, not only a lot um, with others, but in my own life too. And I, I love how you mentioned that of, you know, the illusion of splitting, mm -hmm. you know, the, the illusion of being fragmented um, mm -hmm. because if we are truly, you know, infinite and connected, you know, with source, like we are no separate from source, then fragmentation is simple. It's only the illusion of being fragmented and it is, such a real thing because I, I've seen it with my own life, you know, or so much in the Akashic records where people's souls, the fragments or the illusion of it will stay in that trauma. So in a car accident, uh, different forms of abuse or this or that, mm -hmm. um, even something as simple as like, say, like getting knocked out, like a concussion and things like accidents, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. part, the soul fragments will stay in that time and space, mm -hmm. you know, which is what causes separation, you know, for us. And then we're operating from a place, um, you know, I guess of separation where, mm -hmm. um, and I'm trying to think of an example, but um, 
you know, I if think... we are in the illusion of being fragmented, you know, then we are coming from a place of, I guess I would just say trauma and separation, you know, where like, say you had a abusive situation as a child, that part of you is still there. And so you're, when it comes to that part of you, right, might be communication, might be the way that you relate to men or women, the way that you perceive the world, that part of you is still stuck in the unconscious there. And right. the whole point is to bring from the subconscious and the unconscious, bring all of that into the light or into the conscious. Right. Um, so one thing I just appreciate too about Osiris and the teachings of the infinite or the supreme soul is that we're no separate then. And we can constantly and consistently revive ourselves or the soul mm -hmm. retrieval, which is revival. Um, and it's something that we can all do, you know, like, yes, um, it's great to go to an Akashic record session or a healer that has done this many times before, but uh, I'm someone who always points people back to their innate power, you know, and it can be something as simple as um, I affirm that I'm calling back all of my soul fragments from all time, spaces, and dimensions where they have been lost for my highest good and for the highest good of all, which is so simple, you know, mm -hmm. but um, it's us simply remembering that innate connection and that we were never separate from and just dismantling that illusion. Right. You know, and um, mm -hmm. and we still very much are transcending death or like, say, these trauma related accidents or things that happen that can cause those spells, mm -hmm. you know, where it's like causing these different things or separation or the illusion of separation in your life. Mm -hmm. um, and so all of that to say, <laughs> um, you know, we all have the free will and the power to call back our energy and our soul fragments from all time spaces and dimensions and i think that the osiris temple um really reminds us of that you know with the infinite and with the supreme soul um right. and it's something that very much we all continue to do you know like all of these stories and myths and cultures um i'm someone who very much believes in symbolism you know mm -hmm. um, and there's so many different ways to tell a story you know, but even with the story of Ice, uh, Osiris rather being cut up into pieces, you know, very much tells each and every person who's walking, you know, man, woman, or they, the story of them calling back their soul fragments, calling mm -hmm. back all the pieces that have been lost, mm -hmm. you know, for due to whatever reason, you know, to me, set uh, sometimes uh, represents separation, you know, which could be anything without a view, you know, uh, simply pointing for us to remember our wholeness, you know. Um, we all mm -hmm. live that story and we all transcend death every day in those times when we decide to choose life, you know, amidst this illusion, you know, um, or choose unity, you know, in source consciousness in the illusion of separation. Right. Beautifully said. I feel like that was a lot. <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess for me, Set really um, personifies the base level consciousness of, you know, um, uh, we'll say like greed and anger and jealousy, which can be so normal for being in a body. And, and the fact that, you know, he, cho he chops up um, what we might call the supreme soul seems to also personify to me how when we indulge in places of jealousy rage 
um, blind lust that we actually separate ourselves just like how you describe him as separation from the eternal truth that we are which yes. I think is so fascinating because you know um, sometimes as women specifically and of course I'll, I'll this is just an easy example because I grew up this way is um, you know for for women sometimes we feel envious and jealous of other women whether it be their beauty or their charm or the people that they're around and it just like this is just a basic example because what I've recognized in in watching this um, and I grew up with a very jealous mother, um, my stepmom, um, who was violent and um, adulterous and, uh, you know, just just really in her separation that she was really unable to access the gifts that were in front of her all the time. And so I learned from her just how, you know, being in your rage, being in your envy, being in your lust really was taking you so far away from the joy that you could have on this planet. Um, because of course my mom, my stepmom is still in those same frequencies and um, she's started over again with a new family and, She's changed her name, but her frequency remains the same. And she's unable to really meet me where I am and, you know, move past who she was. Um, because, of course, she's still trying to justify all the actions that she she took. And so I don't mean this to be, uh, you know, pointing fingers at her, but it's a really good example of what happens when we allow uh, our our and I don't mean lower consciousness in kind of like, you know, the new age way, but when we allow our, our um, frequencies of rage and jealousy and separation really dominate the world, we actually separate ourselves from the truth of the soul, which is to be in joy, to be in pleasure and to not be uh you know in spaces of suffering i feel like we have this idea that suffering is divine and i have this post on cue that i'm holding which is that <laughs> suffering is not divine actually suffering is the opposite of what it means to be in divinity there is no suffering when it comes to working with our you know divine nature yeah. if if we're working with our divine nature and something terrible happens, our divine nature says, I wonder how this was for you. And, you know, we're like, what the fuck? What do you mean for me? And, you know, God is like, listen, just tune in and discover how this is working for your good. That's, that's the soul. That's, you know, the supreme self. I don't know. I yeah, said a lot of things there. <laughs> I love it all. And, I think a lot of light, right? I mean, it's all of us, but a lot of um, light workers too. Like we have these martyr like contracts. Oh uh, yeah, I just uh, heard from about this. lifetimes ago, and I think it's also pretty collective too of like just the martyrness. And again, it it goes to that program of the more work I do, the more that I'm doing. So the more that I suffer, the more that I somehow prove that I'm a being or child of God or that I love God or mm -hmm. I can handle, you know, like. I know I'm at a point in my life where, you know, it's not about how much love, how much pain and suffering you can handle, how, how capable are you of holding a loving space? Mm -hmm. 
you know, um, but wearing your pain or suffering as a badge, it's something that I used to do. And uh, something that I very much don't subscribe to anymore of, you know, mm -hmm. just using that as a badge or how much I can bear or handle. Mm -hmm. uh, we're actually not really supposed to, like you said, have not not having those experiences, but having those experiences where we are suffering. We're going to experience things, you know, mm -hmm. but ultimately it is that voice of the soul of like, how is this serving me? Mm -hmm. You know? How is this helping me? Mm -hmm. Or how is God using me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, or even is this an opportunity to shift? You know, yeah. because that's also true too. If you're in a state of perpetual suffering, um, at some point the the suffering is likely hindering you. And so, you know, I'm I'm exp I'm watching people now realize like that there's there's a fine line between you know this serving me and this also showing me that I either need to shift or I need to um, dissolve certain things in my lifetime. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that we go through different um, trials and tribulations and initiations. You know, but as a light worker, if we are truly here to fulfill our missions, we do we need a balanced root chakra we need we need oh, to sure. open heart space we need food we need water we need money we mm -hmm. just do these things are what allow us to fulfill our missions and you know whether it's due to like martyr contracts or society or whatever it is we don't have to demonize the very basic and minimum requirements that we actually need in this experience right you know which if anything has been a program to keep us away from truly experiencing the joy and the abundance and and everything it is that um, our life purpose or this, you know, divine experience has for us, you know, mm -hmm. and the spell that a lot of light workers are that the world is under of um, the lack of more suffering, you know, mm -hmm. when it would actually speed in the journey, if we were just open to experiencing these things or experiencing money and wealth and having it a basic minimum requirement, I should have food, I should have some sort of shelter and uh, I should have uh, some sort of abundance or money system coming in, which spiritual abundance is so different than just material money, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but spiritual abundance, you know, food and water and some shelter, you know, is very basic requirements for us to actually fulfill our missions because if our physical bodies can't move or is constantly and consistently unsafe, then mm -hmm. it's blocking us or holding us back or hindering us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly to all of that. And I, I also find that to be so fascinating because a lot of, you know, a lot of us doing this work really shy away from charging and, um, you know, taking money for our services. I've, I've, I moderate for a group on Facebook and I, there are several people in this Facebook group who have said, you know, I don't want to spend money on services. And my response is, do you not pay your hairdresser? Do you not buy your food from a grocery store? Do you not exchange money with your farmer? Then why would I be, you know, any different? Like, why why is my work um, less worthy of money than someone who provides food? Because actually, you know, what we're doing, we're, we're working. I mean, of course, I, I also believe this to be true for every single person. But um, we're working a lot more than we get paid for 
Um, And so by that, I feel like we're really tapping into the spiritual bank account of, you know, um, Dharma and uh, blessings, you know. So when it comes to coming into my sacred space for a session, uh, I'm holding you in a total quantum shift, which means that, you know, you'll be experiencing the effects of my sessions for years to come. What we ignite and ignition, you know, initiate in session together could be continuing forward for years. You could come back to me three years later with a new revelation of the work that, you know, we're doing in session. And I think that is true for every single person that's doing Akashic work, um, spiritual work. I'm just going to say spiritual work because it's, yeah. you know, the best umbrella. Um. And so I think it's really important, you know, that more spiritual workers actually claim the frequency of wealth within their bodies um, and to really claim the the wealth generation that is totally possible for them. Um, because, of course, some, you know, some spiritual workers are going to I have a friend. This is kind of a side note, but I have a friend that, you know, always told me that she wants to be the Trump of spiritual workers and by that she means she wants to have hotels and towers and you know places named after her and that's not my thing but I would I'd just be like okay I hope that's that works for you (laughs) I mean that's her dream (laughs) yeah yeah, she, she wants her own tower and I think that's fine you know if that's what she wants that's great that's not what I want but I'm gonna support her and her quantum wealth desires because you know, that's her soul looking to experience itself in this lifetime. Um, and every single person has a unique quantum wealth signature that they are totally, um, I'm going to say allowed or permissed by God to really experience in this life. And we do have to consider those martyrdom contracts, because of course, if we look at, you know, um, like, we can say nuns and monks, right? They live a very pious lifestyle. And a lot of us have had these lives, I believe. A lot of us have lived in uh, solitude when it comes to um, doing God's work. And now we're at a different time and age where we have to be out there um, in real life and not, you know, not ministering on the side of the road. Like some of the, I mean, if that's your thing, yes. But just by holding the frequency, by walking into the grocery store, by saying blessings to people um, in in the, the deli department, I've totally done that. Um, <laughs> you're actually reconnecting people back to God just by being the light, by being prayerful, by, by holding your Reiki frequency, by keeping your mind on God. So... <laughs> Yeah, there's two things I want to touch on that too. Um, one, you know, when people ask me, so like so often, like, what's my life purpose? You know, and, and that's really what it is, is holding that vibration and frequency. And then from there, you might get a calling. That calling may even change a few times and things mm-hmm. like that. But our life purpose is really to maintain and to hold and to anchor that God frequency in everything mm-hmm. we do and everywhere we go, sacred living. Mm-hmm. You know, and then... Um, and then even, you know, when it comes, uh, and I'm forgetting a little bit about the other thing. So if it's important, it will come back to me. Um, oh, experiencing the wealth. Yes. You know, and so like we all have these blueprints of 
experiencing wealth, you know, and, and what that looks like to us, you know, and, and our calling of how it is that we're, like you said, I love the way that you said experiencing our soul, like experiencing itself. And it looks different for everyone. Right. And that's okay. And as you know, someone who's a, a spiritual business owner or who does spiritual work, uh, it's really 24 hours. You know, a lot of times people will not want to charge, but, um, or, you know, you do get the people who are like, you shouldn't be charging for, you know, God's work. But just like you said, you go to, you go to Dunkin' Donuts, you pay for the coffee, you you go to even a farm where you pay for um, their crops. And mm-hmm. as someone who does spiritual work, I didn't just give a free hour session just now, because now I have to spend an hour and a half cleansing my energy. Mm-hmm. And then I have to now go buy some more tools because I actually used my tools too. And I use some incense and candles and now I have mm-hmm. to do this and that. Right. And with Akashic records, you know, like the Akashic records, it's different for everyone, but like some people won't even drink coffee 24 hours before, mm-hmm. you know? And so yeah. I'm actually preparing my whole physical body in the night, in the day to hold the vibration in space and then to mm-hmm. cleanse myself to be prepared for the next one. Right. And for my own human experience, and mm-hmm. so it's very much um, a, it's a job that, and not a job, you know, but it is something that we decide to commit our lives to. We don't clock out for the nine to five. Right. There's right. no clocking out. You know, when we talk about the words I am, which is, this is something that Michael Murdad shared, I think sometime last year, I am of service. You don't clock out when you say I am. When you say I am, that's a statement. And now you are that embodiment and there's no clocking out of that embodiment. You know, so I am of service. Uh, I'm in service, not only in this hour session, but also when I go to the grocery store so that I can hold that frequency. And when I'm mothering myself and when I'm by myself healing my own self, you know, uh, and and we do deserve uh, the abundance for not only our time and space, you know, but also... there's so much unseen when it comes to spiritual work, you know, um, I know my physical, like my birth family still doesn't quite understand that, like I'm doing work and stuff like that. So like, Hey, are you free? You know? Um, and I'll let them know, like, you know, oh, I'm doing this, 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 and this, you know, cause even though the appointment was say from four to five, you know, now I'm cleansing my house and then I'm cleansing myself and I'm grounding myself and then I'm done, you know, um, And there's just so much that goes into it. But I guess, you know, long story short, when we say I am of service, I am. And that is my life experience. And I don't clock out. Right. You know? Yeah, I get all of that. And, you know, that's kind of how it's been. I have a little tiny dude here that has joined us. But, um, (laughs) um, you know, that's kind of how you know, it has been for a lot of people that do this work is like, there's, you know, it's a lot more than just uh, your hour long or two hour long session. It's everything that you do before and everything that you do after. And, um, you know, it's also like the continued practice of uh, embodying who you are, working your Reiki skills or your Akashic skills, or even, you know, working with other practitioners and mentors that um can support you and it's really just like full circle yeah Um, because we do invest in ourselves you know there's certifications and booking our own sessions which is a mm -hmm. part of it oh my goodness every everyone needs work (laughs) yeah (laughs) just to be held you know 
yeah so fascinating because i think that people forget you know um that it's it's a frequency that you're embodying and of course like when it comes you know to this work for me specifically like i'm i'm in the i'm in the business of building a temple right now which mm-hmm. takes a lot of my energy my time to learn about um like the legalities or the laws or what i need and um really you know all of that and so it's it's something that i'm doing day in and day out just out of the the service of my heart because that's what my soul has told me is necessary in this lifetime um i really feel like we're bringing you know we've we've had like 2000 years of these temple spaces being in the ethers uh mm-hmm. and now we're bringing these temples back onto this planet and giving birth again to them mm-hmm. which is just so fascinating talk about grid work yeah you know and and i see it so much and from my own experience and then other people too is you know these temples are are very much returning and like we were saying too these ancient teachings are are very much wanting to be heard to be spoken to be written to be embodied and felt and expressed and practiced and um, it's not hidden anymore you know talking about like the mysteries or like say like new age of pisces new age of aquarius you know things aren't really hiding anymore and 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 so much of even uh, the temples, they're very much wanted to be anchored and embodied, you know, and it's not just a physical temple anymore. You know, we're very much remembering that we're no separate from these temples and from these energies, you know, um, right. and the teachings. And these teachings are not only a physical place to go to, you know, but to also embody and I think so much of us, so many of us rather, are getting that call, you know, right now to embody our divine and authentic truths, you know, um, and to share these mystery teachings that are not wanting to be a mystery and and really never were. Yeah. You know, it's very much suppressed. Yeah, it's it's so fascinating because... um in reiki work and then even just the other day i saw it again there's like this belief system that you know you shouldn't be posting symbols or you know letting the quote unquote uninitiated see symbols or sacred beings that um you know are they're not worthy if you will of seeing these symbols and i think that's just a poor way to represent the divine that's like seeking to express itself through the work Right, because you said earlier, this, um, you know, symbols really are, I forget what you said about symbols specifically, but it prompted the thought that, you know, symbols are the way that our subconscious really communicates itself. And so when we're working with Reiki symbols specifically, you know, we have so much symbolism um, in the world right now, you know, we have, and the easiest example I can say is like Target, right? That yeah. symbol works on a subconscious level to, you know, try to push you to go spend your money there. So why wouldn't we re um, recalibrate the collective consciousness through putting out the sacred art, through putting out the sacred symbols? And, you know, everyone's initiated. Everyone has um, has been initiated by God to remember their soul destiny in this lifetime. So this idea of, you know, you have to be an initiate of this, 
I don't believe it because I believe we're just perpetuating the same wounds of separation that we claim we want to heal. And I I agree with that. I think we very much are, you know, when we keep things closed in those ways and everyone mm-hmm. is initiated by God. If you were, if you're here, you're chosen. There's no yes. chosen ones. If yeah. you're here, you're chosen. Yeah. And it's your free will to align, to remember that you chose this and you chose this divine experience. We're going to bridge heaven on earth. We're going to create this life. We're going to hold an anchor God frequency in this t- in this human timeline of mass awakening, you know, new age of Pisces, new age of, you know, Aquarius and all those different things. But if you are here, you are chosen and there's no such thing as chosen ones. There's just simply those who do align with the free will to remember and to actually live that chosen life that you created, that that you decided before you even came here. Yes, I 100% agree. I, I this conversation of, oh, the 144,000 chosen, but don't we have 144,000 strands of DNA? Like, yes, aren't we, we technically all chosen then? So yeah, and stop- even in Hinduism, uh, when the crown chakra opens, that means... 144,000 lotus petals have opened and you are now supreme. You are one with God. And they see it as when 144,000 lotus petals have opened, you have united with God. And I think the one for four, you know, because we get 12 by 12. And again, symbolism, like symbolism means so many different things. But with the one for four, it's very much your connection and, and you're remembering and uniting with god or with your higher self you know there's so many different ways again the separation of like well you weren't chosen or this or that or well this is not open to you you know or things like that um i, I think it is still programs of separation yes and um and, and yeah if you are here then you are already chosen where we've reincarnated into the lowest uh one of the lowest consciousness realms because we we chose to be here as a supreme or infinite being and and weave that consciousness through our experience and i think that's a beautiful thing you know like wow i i chose this to come here to weave this consciousness remember that i'm no separate then and we're very much so artists even with like the simple conversation you know i think that symbols uh which it's not just like runes and things like that you know symbolism is maybe me posting my dancing and you mm-hmm. don't actually know what i meant by that you don't right. know the energy behind that or the ancient teachings that are behind that but what you see is me my dancing and it provokes some sort of feeling mm-hmm. and so yeah. with symbolism i think you know we and i know there's different like timelines with astrology and stuff but for the people who are talking about the new age of aquarius we have the internet there's so much that's available right now these ancient symbols people may not know exactly what they mean i do believe people can use things in the quote-unquote wrong way but mm-hmm. these ancient symbols sometimes you know i know for me the second i saw the eye of horus i had no clue what it even meant but all of a sudden i had all these downloads about egypt i remembered so much you know right. um and it was through that awakening. So it was through, for me, actually, like ancient symbols and little things where it was explosions of remembrance mm-hmm. that changed my life for the rest of my life. Right. And, and so we do need this. And, and we do, New Age of Aquarius, we need access to this information or to this mm-hmm. wisdom, um, yeah. which is so beautifully reflected with the internet, which I know the internet is, you know, it's, it's the duality in itself too, uh, but it does make this wisdom 
uh, much more readily available and very quickly available, you know, to those who are ready to see it. And I don't think you're ever going to experience or see something that you're not ready to see. Yeah, I agree completely. And I, it's so funny because the other day I was actually thinking about how, you know, we are on the precipice of this massive age of Aquarius shift. And the internet is actually a really good representation of that because it, um, you know, the the power of Aquarius is remembering our telepathic connection. And even mm-hmm. though we're utilizing a device, we actually are still sta- uh, tapping into and stemming into the um, the actualization of using airwaves to communicate with each other, um, which is an ancient human gift that all people have had. You know, we've all had the ability to... Um, Uh, telepathically communicate with each other and you know send messages across time and space and it's so fascinating for me that um you know the the internet can actually uh mirror that in a way because to me it it shows that we're like we're on the verge of this deep remembrance and um whenever we're ready um we'll be able to do it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I just made a video about that, which wasn't just about that. So I forget which video it was in because it was for a few quick minutes in the video. But I just spoke about that, too, of the new age of Aquarius and telepathy, um, where the Internet and I think in general in our life, like with AI, the Internet, et cetera, it's very much a reflection without of us of what's going on spiritually, you know, or like in the quantum realms. Yes. And um, the Internet is such a perfect example of telepathy and you know, our awakening and awareness to that and our clairvoyant abilities, you know, and so while the internet on that, say, shadow side can be a, um, it can be a means of separation, because if you're tuning too much into that, then you're tuning without of your own divine source and channel. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is that representation of where we are evolving consciously, you know, anything Mm -hmm. without of us, these systems, the government, AI, all of it is some sort of reflective symbolism of where we are consciously evolving. Mm -hmm. And um, with so much technology and with us having access to information so quickly, it is really within and without or above, so below Mm -hmm. a representation of, you know, um, right now where we are consciously of our connection to source and telepathy with one another, And, you know, I guess it always depends on like, well, what are you tuning into, you know, even when it comes to the internet and stuff, Um, which the internet is great because, you know, I mean, I wouldn't have known you probably without the internet somehow. We could maybe like send out a telepathic like connection or something, but I don't know if I would have ended up in California, but uh, it's so beautiful and such symbolism. Um, But, you know, and then there's just that reminder to not rely on that say too much you know, because then we're still giving something away our power, you know, and ultimately, you know, sources are direct connection for all wisdom and things. Um, Right. But such a reflection of where we are consciously evolving. Right. I totally agree. Yeah, I think we need to now have a whole podcast episode on this topic. (laughs) I think we do. Come back for that episode, everyone. Well, I appreciate you so much with all of your wisdom and all of your knowledge. And I thank you so much for being here with me today. Yes, thank you for inviting me to your sacred space uh, and sharing all of your divine wisdom and and gifts and voice. Mm. Um, 
I love your expression. And I've also experienced like even some of your, your own spaces and stuff like that too. Mm. So just thank you for everything it is that you do because you mm. do always show up. Thank you. I appreciate you so much, sister. How can we work with you? How, oh, yes. So you can go to, if you would like, um, an Akashic Record session, a one-on-one -on -one session, or I'm also on YouTube. I do mostly Pisces, but I do other signs too. That's probably my main platform. It's 144 Blue Rose Temple, or my website is 144bluerosetemple.com. And you can go there to book um, a session, an Akashic Record session, which is a reading of the soul or more like a past life regression type of session or anything else beautiful and of course we'll have all of that in the show notes as well so um if you would like to work with jocelyn she is wonderful so um thank you again so much and i'm gonna have to have you on so we can talk about the spiritual blueprint yes i i feel that way with everyone that's on here i'm like all right when you coming back <laughs> so thank you so much again for being here with me and it was such a pleasure to talk about this stuff um it's so refreshing to get this out there and to let the mysteries really be illuminated for the deep remembrance of all soul wisdom Yes, thank you. Thank you for just sharing the space with me. Um, and also just inviting me to talk about a topic with you that is so dear to my soul. So thank you. Okay. I'm so glad. Okay, bye everyone. Bye.